Welcome back, podcast fans. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and this is Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. So it's been another crazy week, and I'm so glad that you are back with us again to have another dose of reality on the special needs survival podcast. Um, This week, I got to laugh a lot with my guest, Julie Falcone, who is a blogger and an author. Her book, Dear Loved Ones, was a breath of fresh air, and I really enjoyed my time with her. I wish I had hours to talk to Julie. I swear, if she lived near me, she would be my new best friend. Um, She writes after my own style, and I chewed up her book in about, well, literally like a day. Uh, And I don't read that fast, because if you recall anything about me, anybody that's been listening to this podcast for a while or has read any of my blog posts or has followed me for a while on social You probably remember that I have my own neuro challenges in that I'm dyslexic and I have some ADHD and I, you know, kind of march to my own drummer as it is. Um, Although I do have some brilliance in my own special way. We all have our own, our own superpowers, right? So um, Julie totally gets it and digs being a special needs mom and she she really has embraced the challenges and the joys of parenting her four kids the last blog post that she put out on her website julie-falcone.com perfect is effing boring (laughs) it just says it all um she posted that on i think it was january 2nd and it it was perfect it was a perfect blog post about not being perfect and i love it and that's what we talked about um i totally wanted to talk with her this month my month of january was all about hitting the reset button and it was really fun talking to her about that and also about the special joy of raising her imperfect family. Her book was genius. She has this premise of how to talk with our friends and family members about supporting us because they don't always get it, right? I mean, I talked about that in my book, too. Um, My book is Butterflies and Second Chances, a mom's memoir of love and loss. And there are some parts of my book, some chapters in there about, you know, our families love us, but they don't always know what to say. They don't always know what to do. And sometimes, as much as we're exhausted and we don't want to be that teacher and we don't want to be that mentor and we don't want to be that example, we have to lead them through how to help us. We just do. Um, And that includes asking for help when we need it and providing the guide or the guidelines for what that help looks like. And that's okay. Because once we say it, it shows up in the way that we need it. So rather than be frustrated with each other, let's just communicate. Let's just talk about it. Let's just say it. Let's label it. Let's name it. Let's do it. Let's be in it together. That's community. I've been talking about community till I'm hoarse, till I'm blue in the face. And that's us, right? It's it's why I've created this inclusive community, this inclusive Facebook group called Circle of Care that is all about not just the disabled individuals, not just the people that care for them, but everybody together so that we can join forces and be in it 
as a group, be in it as community. So Julie gets it, and in it, she brings humor, but she also brings the pain, too. And it's raw, and, you know, there are points in her story that just hit home for me. I know it's going to reach all of you as well. I can't recommend her book more highly. Um, It follows a great easy to read uh, style where every chapter there's a letter and then she goes on to talk about the subject of what's in the letter. Um, It's great. It's just great. So um, what's been going on this week has uh, been interesting to watch the rollout of the new presidential plan. There's a lot in there for people with disabilities and their families more than I've seen with any other presidential team. It's, you know, I'm cautiously optimistic. Um, It doesn't matter what, quote, side you're on. I'm on the side of people with disabilities and their families. Um, I do worry about how we're going to pay for all of this, how we're going to fund it all, because it doesn't work if there's no money behind it. We all know that. Programs are great, but they need to be funded somehow. And so that's the conservative in me. I've seen really great programs fall apart time and time again when they're not funded. I've seen great demonstration projects that don't continue because they can't get funding. So I, I'm, like I said, cautiously optimistic and really just hoping that we can pull this all together because let me tell you, our issues in the disability community are many. Housing, medical equity, um, mental health, needs abound. Uh, We need jobs. We, We need community. We need support um, to be able to um, live as independently as possible. We need caregivers. I, the list just goes on and on and on. The discrimination is endless and the support is just, it just hasn't been there. Um, access to justice in our court system. And again, the, the list just goes on and on and on. Uh, a friend recently asked me for some bullet points, some talking points for Uh, somebody running for a political campaign locally. And I said, really? You just want a few, you know, two or three bullet points? I'm like, I could talk for an hour. Um, So I I listed a few things, but um, I really feel like, again, the, the list is endless and I could go on. But even still, with all of those, quote, problems out there, I am still cautiously optimistic. I think 2021 is going to be a good year for us, that we are making progress, and this is exciting. And so um, it was a great month. We had great interviews this month. The podcasts were we're tremendous. I hope that you are as hopeful as I am. I hope that you enjoy Julie's interview as much as I did. Uh, she makes me laugh. Please go out and get her book, Dear Loved Ones. I really uh, enjoyed it. And um, if you do enjoy her book, please give her a rating and a review. It's so important. It'll help her get her book out there to more people. And uh, if you are enjoying this podcast, please remember to rate and review that as well. Thank you so much. And here we go. 
Okay, welcome back podcast fans. I'm your host, Annette Hines, and this is Parenting Impossible, the special needs survival podcast. And you are going to laugh yourself into a stupor today because we have with us Julie Falcone and she has written the most amazing book. So I know I've just been raving about her in my intro, but we're gonna launch right in. Julie, welcome, welcome, welcome. I finished the book last night. I could not put it down. I'm so excited to have you on the podcast. You're another mama bear, just like me. Um, I saw a little crazy in there and I'm so happy to have you here. Thank you so much for joining um, Sisterhood at its best. Uh, thank you for coming and tell us a little bit about your crazy family. I want to hear all about it. Oh, thanks so much for having me. This is awesome. I love chatting with other people who get it, especially, oh, you've been there, done that. And look, we're, we're still here chugging along, which is so great. Um, so yes, my crazy family um, is just that. They're amazing and crazy, but I couldn't imagine it any other way because I really feel like that's probably, if you were gonna describe me in two words, it would be um, crazy and loving. If you can have those two words together, that would be great. Yes. Um, so I have, my husband and I have been married. Um, his name is Nick. My husband and I have been married for 17 years. Amazing. Amazing. I swear at the five year anniversary mark, I was like, that's it. We've only been married for five years. Like it felt like, <laughs> felt like forever. Yeah. 17 years. I feel like I can hang my hat on. Um, so we decided, we knew we were going to have a big family right from the get go. Honestly, if I, if I was planning it out, I thought we were going to have six kids and then it kind of wow. moved to five kids. That was the plan. Um, so we started right away. We were super and, excited. And I um, loved that you said that, you know, you got pregnant right away because, you know, Catholic, I mean, oh. I had that same story. I was pregnant three months in just like you. It was like, Oh, yay. We get to have sex without guilt. I was, I was like the same way pregnant right away. Young mom. Same thing. Pressure off, right? The pressure's off. It was like a giggly, a, such a giggly mess. The two of us laughing, like, oh my goodness, <laughs> this is allowed. <laughs> I laughed so hard at that. That was crazy. So, yes, and we were blessed um, to be pregnant immediately um, without any issues. And so we jumped in and we had our first son a year. Um, we, so we got married in August and a year later in August, we had our first son, Gabe. And then a little less than two years later, we had Matt. And then a little less than two years later, we had my daughter, Lucy. And then a little less than two months later, uh, two years later, we had Christopher. And then remember I said, we were going to have five or six. You get what you're supposed to get, I think. And, um, when Chris was born, God kind of decided for us, we're done, uh, yeah. because, Usually at their year birthday, my husband and I will say, all right, we're about ready. You ready, you ready to, to try again for another? Yeah. With Chris, he was, he came out kind of challenging from the get-go. Mm -hmm. um, so at the year mark, I said, I don't, I'm not ready. I, this is the first time I felt that way. Like, I'm not ready. I can't, not yet. I st Chris still needs a lot of attention. And then it started to keep going and going like that. And that's when I realized, oh, this is what we're, we're supposed to have these kids. And that's it. Um, well, I kind of thought, oh, I love chaos and I love crazy. So good. Let's have a loud house um, mm -hmm. with running around. But then in, in my mind, that sounds so fun and beautiful and lovely. <laughs> and yeah. then, those four, then those four kids running around in that chaos doesn't really, it's not the same picture as I had in my head. <laughs> Yeah. Well, we all have these, this dream of the family that we want, you know, and in our head, you know, we don't say the word perfect, but we're thinking perfect, right? We all know that family that we're thinking about. And, you know, right. maybe it's our sister's family or our cousin's family or the family down the street or whatever it is, you know, we see them in church or temple or whatever. We know what that family looks like. And, I've never, and we were never that family. No. <laughs> no matter how hard I tried, we could never be that family. And it took me years to realize that's okay. But yeah. um, in the meantime, I'll tell you, I tried everything under the sun to get us to be the family that 
sat down for dinner together every night, the family that played board games together and watched movies together without any issues. Um, it took a really long time for me to realize that's just not our family and that's okay. <laughs> oh my God. Well, you know, it's good that you got there. I never got there, but it's, I, you know, we're going to kind of dig through all of this, but, and I don't mean to jump ahead, but the, your book, which is why I wanted to meet you and talk to you on the podcast, Dear Loved Ones. Such a great idea. What a great premise. Why did you decide to write this letter in the context of this book? Tell me about that idea. And then we're going to go back in and meet your family through the context of this book because fabulous idea and so funny and, and touching really so many heartfelt moments and, and sad in many places, but just, but, but really funny too. Oh, I'm so glad. Um, so it's interesting. I started writing the book. It was almost like therapy, you know, um, just kind of like typing it out, typing. And then, um, and as I was writing, it was just going to be straight for moms, you know, who are in it and who don't, who feel alone and who feel like this is it right. and yeah. um, nobody gets me type of thing. Oh my God. Yes. And that was my main, uh, my main goal until as I was writing it, it somehow morphed into, gosh, you know, my friends and family, God, they love me to pieces, but they aren't, they're not getting it. They're not, they want to help so badly and they're actually making things worse. Or um, does she know that what she's saying is actually hurtful you right. know, type of thing? So, and I am an extremely non-confrontational person. So you, you could pretty much say anything you want. I will say nothing and I will go home and cry about it probably. Mm -hmm. um, so to be honest, this, it kind of morphed into this letter to our family and friends for the other mothers who are non-confrontational and um, who might need a hand in, in letting our family and friends know, A, how, how challenging it is, how ugly it can be behind our closed doors because it's, it can get pretty bad, yes. um, but also how much, if, if we feel your support and love, Holy Hannah's, it's as if none of that matters because- right. When somebody is good, nice to my kid, my, everything about you has now raised up, you know, um, what a good friend if you can, you're being so sweet to him. And um, so there's a lot that kind of went into it. It kind of just became its own book. Um, and then, so then it kind of became a little bit for everybody. The stories in the beginning are a lot for the moms who do feel like nobody gets them because it really feels that way especially like you said, when you're at church or um, you're at the bus stop and they seem so put together, these moms. And they, and, um, and that was never me. I might've looked like it on the outside actually, but on the inside, I was completely broken to be honest. Um, and then, so it's kind of a little bit for everybody. It's for the moms and for the extended family and friends. Mm. Well, I love where you talk about in one of the chapters about the Facebook people, because I mentioned that a lot on my podcast and I, I have a Facebook group um, that you should join because you were yes. awesome on it. I just did. Because <laughs> our circle of care is amazing. And it is, um, it's for all of the people who are on Facebook, but who really, you know, kind of get put off by the perfect Facebook pie and, you know, the Facebook, you know, pictures of that perfect vacation that we don't get to go on. Like I, so yesterday I had on a dress, um, that I love to wear because it's got like, uh, pictures of a cafe in Paris and, you know, women having, having tea together. I've never been to Europe. <laughs> Whoever gets to go to Europe when you have a special needs kid. Right. So, and, and you talk about that in your book, like, you know, you don't get to travel, you don't get to go on vacation, you don't get to, cause you have no spontaneity in your life. Right. Right. So, um, in it, and it's that, that whole Facebook perfect life kind of thing. And I love that you talk about that. And so, you know, tell me about how, you know, how you wanted to, you know, kind of give, 
people that freedom talk about that a little bit. So I do feel like in, in so many ways, Facebook is a disservice for so many of us because it is that let's see the perfect moments when in reality, those perfect moments didn't just happen. These, these families were working their butt off to get that perfect picture or, um, and it's stinky. It's a stinky feeling thinking, yeah, if I did that, this is what it would look like. It wouldn't be that picture. It would be a picture of us all probably arguing and yelling. I mean, um, like you were talking about vacations, we could take the vacation. We could be on a tropical island and at least two of my family members would be unhappy. So it doesn't matter. Um, you know what I mean? Like, it's just, it's never going to look like that for us or for anybody, but um, for us especially. So I started to get annoyed and I knew some of these families, you know, these Facebook, they're some of my friends and I know that they're, they're behind their doors doesn't look that perfect. So mm. it kind of felt like, Hey, that's not fair. That's not right. You know, um, where's the real, and I like the pictures and the post of the, the kid who, you know, got into something or, you know, the imperfect perfect is boring. I don't like looking at those posts anymore. They're not fun. You know, I like to see the real, and I think we're getting there. I think a lot of people are getting there kind of like, let's just own our own crazy show. Yeah. I hope so. At least I like that too. I I like that too. I think it's great when we can share um, our challenges Mm -hmm. and how we overcome them because that really helps. Right. I mean, it helps to talk about your chapter on discovering about Mm -hmm. the Medicaid discovering about how to help get the healthcare assistance, you know, like, why didn't anybody tell you about that sooner? I mean, it was at a, an elementary school dance and it was just in passing that somebody mentioned that. And I happened to go look it up. Are you kidding? We saved ourselves millions because of that. And again, right. Where I would have never known about that otherwise. Which didn't you think like, why didn't the pediatrician tell me about that? Why wasn't that information at the school? Zero, zero. I don't even think, and I don't know if they know about it. Do, do they know about it? I mean, they must. Um, but yeah, it, it was a lot of trial by fire too. Like the meta, the, um, the insurance was a deny, 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 accept, yeah. you know, um, And through that process, me talking about it with somebody else, they said, oh, yeah, you have to do it three times. How would somebody know that? If you were denied the first time, you'd think, oh, well, stinks. They're just Um, testing you. (laughs) Right, right. Keep going. It's worth it. Um, So, yeah, I it's amazing. There's so much that we don't know that we don't know. And it's so great to be able to go to people who have been there or who are a few years even maybe ahead of us to be able to say, not only the tips, but the, you'll get there, or it won't always be like this. And I think that's what, when I, the diagnosis that surprised me the most was my youngest, because all of my children, the boys, only the boys, I should mention, um, Lucy is uh, neurotypical, which is a breath of fresh air, I will say. Um, But so all of the boys have ADHD, and that in itself was interesting in an education, because I thought ADHD just meant that you daydream a lot and you are bouncing off the walls. Um, But when my youngest was diagnosed, well, I took him to CHOP for ADHD. Hello, I'm Julie. This is my son. We have ADHD. This is the medicine that works. This is, you know, I had it. Um, And when they said, no, it's autism, that threw me because I think that was, and we have been in, by that point, the kids had been in it. We, we were living it, but it was the, the name and the label and the diagnosis that threw me. And that was when I had to reach out to people who were a- ahead of me in the journey and say, hi, we've talked once. Um, my name's Julie. Can we meet for coffee? Because I'm, I'm really flipping out here, right. you know? Um, and we have such a great community, don't we? I feel like the special needs community is so loving and they just want to help each other. And I feel like as long as you let somebody know that you need help, we're there. You know, I feel like there's always people who want to help you. If you can admit it, if you can admit it. Right. Which is hard because again, 
not enough people are looking around saying, my kid just got sent to the principal's office for the third time in a week. You know, who wants to tell somebody that, right? Like that's not something that you're usually bragging about. Um, but if you told me that I would be able to sit down or somebody, you know, a, a mother would sit down and say, oh yeah, been there, done that. It's okay. He's because, not going to become a serial killer, you know, because, because he's been there. There was that part that you mentioned in your book about telling that funny story about your son drawing the penises, yep. right? And you're telling this story to a bunch of women and, you know, they're all laughing and stuff, but only in private did one or two women come up to you and tell you later about things that were happening with their kids because they wouldn't admit publicly that their children were having problems. So right. it's true that not everybody is comfortable with this labeling. And I love that chapter on labeling, you know, to label or not to label. And there's so much about that. See, I told you we were never going to get through this 40 minutes with all the things I want to talk to you about, Julie. Oh, I love it. I could talk I about love that. Chapter. You know, it's interesting because I still um, in the book, I say, like, I don't understand the the major issue with labeling or not labeling because I love being labeled <laughs> because my label as a special needs mom means you get to know that I'm working my my butt off and even more than normal. And aren't I amazing? <laughs> yes. And I, and I, you and for the are kids, amazing, Julie. Yeah, right, right. And the kids, every time I can tell a teacher that they have ADHD is a chance for me to also tell the teacher, this is what works for him. This is what doesn't. Um, so right there, we're already helping. So I don't mind a label, but can I ask you this? Mm -hmm. Haven't you encountered teachers and doctors and professionals who feel like you over medicalize or over label your kids? Oh gosh. Yes. Be honest. Yes. And in fact, sometimes maybe I do sometimes. Um, but yes. Oh, that's not, you know, that's not ADHD. That's every kid or, right. um, even with my youngest, it was, oh, well, he doesn't have the fine motor, but he's a, he's a, he's a, a young boy. boy. We'll get there. Yeah. He's a boy. Um, I mean, at one point I did go to the doctor with, um, I said, I think my, my second son has autism. No, no, he's fine. He's fine. Um, and we left, that was years, years. So yeah, I think that's, oh, you read too much or you Googled or, yeah. um, or if I say, even personally, um, as somebody now diagnosed with ADHD, if I say something like, oh, sorry, my ADHD brain is going in 16 different directions. Right. Mm -hmm. Okay, let's call it your ADHD brain, Julie. Yeah. Not that you're just a little nutty or crazy or disorganized, yep. you know? Um, so there is the negative, but for the most part, I've either A, worked to come up with like a few sentences in the back of my head to kind of shut them down, like a... Oh, well, you know, if you learn a little bit more about ADHD, you'd get it or, you know, type of like something to kind of say, mm hmm, mm hmm. Well, you know, yes, when I talked to the doctor, they diagnosed me. So, you know, um, right. But yeah, there, there can be the negative. But I think for the most part, especially teachers now um, in our public school system, because we moved over to the public school system for all the amazing services. Um, they they're so much more in tune yeah and it's become less of the bad kid in quotation marks mm -hmm. and more of the kid who let's figure out a new way for him to learn so I feel like we've come a long way for sure especially um especially now for my elementary kids there's definitely more of a let's work together but I think before I mean even growing up do you remember the kids in your elementary um in elementary school who were like considered the bad kids sure. or I mean and they were in so much trouble all the time <laughs> like if only we knew I, I think to myself oh he probably had ADHD oh this kid you know he yep. just he was the creative mind he wasn't meant to you know um, regurgitate facts from a textbook type of thing absolutely the kids who couldn't sit still oh, who got in trouble or talking I got in trouble yeah. all the time for talking the, the, the kids who were just really curious, who asked a lot of questions and the teacher just could not be bothered, you know? Right. I mean, 
my heart breaks for them thinking back then. And I wonder, gosh, how life could have been different. Now, if you ask my parents, you know, <laughs> sometimes I think my mom still says, you, you didn't have ADHD. You don't have ADHD. Um, but I feel like our parents didn't know that this was a real thing. They didn't, it wasn't a thing then. Um, so it's interesting now to look back and say, oh, that's why I got really good at studying in college because I learned and managed. Yes. Oh, I have to do a little bit for two weeks straight. I have to study a little bit at a time because my brain doesn't accept too much information at once. Right. So we learned to manage. Some people didn't. Um, I'm wondering if there's some kids in, from that elementary, from our elementary schools that are having a life that maybe they they wouldn't have had had um, there been a diagnosis and and therapy and medication. But in my case, it was more. I did learn to manage it. But boy, when I was an adult and finally got diagnosed, oh, what a relief! I, I often wonder, you know, if we had been labeled as kids, if things would have gotten better or would they have been worse for us? Would we have been labeled and then had negative consequences? And I feel like back then offered, we would have, yeah. You know, if we, we wouldn't have been offered the same opportunities that we had. I mean, maybe I would not have ended up in law school. Maybe I would not have had the same opportunities. Right. But who knows, you know, it's, Anyway, I loved the chapter on labeling. I thought it was an interesting conversation. And um, I really, really took to heart the short chapter that you had about your cousin and the dress with the holes in it. Yes. Can you tell that story? I'm sure you, yes. Yes, I was, I didn't have kids yet. And I, I was dating my husband. I, I don't know if we were engaged or married, but um, we went to a nice affair. It was a nice surprise birthday party for a family member. And Nick's cousin had come in and I know she had, um, they had many kids and her youngest had um, a lot of issues, a lot of physical um, as well as de developmental and emotional disabilities. Um, and God, God love him. He, he was adorable. And, um, and I didn't know it at the time, how hard that, that it is to raise a child with special needs. All I saw was, oh, there's Nick's cousin. God, isn't she the best? She's so sweet and so nice. Huh? Look at that. Look at the dress she's wearing. It literally has holes in the collar. Like really, man, we're at a nice, you know, um, you don't have another dress in your closet right. in my mind this is what I'm thinking um so which sounds, judgy Julie. which sounds so horrible judgy I'm, judgy wudgy it's horrible um and I remember thinking that and it has still to this day not left me because now where I am and unfortunately they did lose their child um who the love was so amazing so I'm I'm so grateful that I got to, got to meet him as well as these amazing parents. Um, but what I realized years and years later now where I am, oh my God, I, I was that judgmental person mm -hmm. who had no clue. And instead of seeing that hole for what it really is, those holes in that dress are not holes in a dress. They are, my God, you got out today. You, you got to come to this party. You got to have a drink. You got to talk to adults. Mm -hmm. um, I had no idea that instead of me judging, I should have been celebrating her. Right. Well, if I could go back now, I would hug her so tight. And I would say, I'm Can so I hold your here. kids for you yes. for a few hours while you yes. enjoy yourself. And, you know, all the things that you say in your book and that's, you know, one of the great things about the book that you wrote, because you're helping people figure out how they can help us. And right. I love that. So I, I love, love the whole premise of the book. And, um, and she probably didn't even notice the holes in that dress. Oh, no. she and, she, <laughs> and she probably could have cared less anyway, because again, she was having conversations. Um, it was my thing. Isn't that, it was, it was, whatever I was 
dealing with or going through or thinking mm-hmm. what it what you should look like when you come to a party. Well, guess what? Let's just be thankful that you got there. Yeah. It's amazing what wisdom, time and experience gives you when I think about it now. What I thought that that story was the whole idea of the entire book because it really um, kind of, even though it was kind of far along in the book, it kind of set the whole idea of the book up, you know, or how so many of us really are in judging other people and, you know, not even realizing it half the time. I mean, I, I was thinking that inside my head, I would have never said it out loud. Um, but it doesn't matter. Those thoughts were in my head. Um, it's such an interesting thing that mindset to change, to be able to, to now be able to look at someone and not immediately judge and more say, I wonder what your life is like. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting how we do judge, even when we don't realize we are, or think that we're above it. Um, we are human. I think it takes a lot of practice for sure. And that stayed with you so long too. The guilt, it was guilt oh it, gosh. I, because now, Oh, I'm lucky if I have, you know, if I put deodorant on, yeah. I'm lucky if I have, you know, showered in two days or three days. So I totally get it now. Um, so yeah, that guilt has stayed with me. Mm-hmm. Do you have any um, career work that you do at all? Or are you still raising kids besides doing your writing? So it's interesting. My nine-year-old, my youngest is now in third grade and we've hit this nice, we've hit this nice phase where everybody (gasps) seems to be good. Don't say it out loud. I know. Are you kidding me? You're going to jinx it. Well, To be clear, I'm expecting, I don't expect it to ever stay, you know, uh, us all doing well. Somebody's got to fall off the rails at some point. Somebody's medicine is going to have to be tweaked. Um, Right. But right at this second, um, especially when, right before, it was actually right before uh, COVID hit, um, I was just saying, I think it's time for me to to get back out to work because we, um, I've been home with the kids since my first was born and it wasn't an option for many, many years because of our, even just the going back and forth to therapies in itself and doctor's appointments. I don't know. I swear to God, full-time and part-time working mothers outside of the home who have kids with special needs are amazing. They're superheroes. I am just amazed at how everybody can do it because I was at a, at a doctor's office probably every day um, or I was picking up a kid from school to, to run them to, to occupational therapy and then back to school, you know, um, type of thing. So um, it's insanity. It really is. really is. And peop, women are doing it and they're doing it well. And they're, they're just chugging along and women are no joke. I just feel like we are amazing. And I don't know if, yeah we give ourselves enough credit we because don't. we're really juggling it all. I mean, all of it, let's be honest. <laughs> um, so yes, where was I, where was I going with, you know, what you're going to do next? Oh yes. Thank you. Nine. So I was going to go back, back. on track, Miss yes. ADHD. Thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> yes. I was going to go back and be an instructional aide in one of, in, you know, one of the kids' classes. Oh, thinking, this is perfect, right? And I, um, and then COVID hit and we started virtual learning at home. So you're doing it at home? With my own kids, which is not the same. No. Definitely not the same. Cause you can no. say, you can walk away from mom and you can say no to mom um, a lot easier than you can to a straight, you know, a stranger. Yes. But but then it's kind of worked out. I feel like things work out the way they're supposed to because I got to finish the book right. during that time. I got to publish it and I, and I got to kind of celebrate it in a way that if I were I started a new job, I would have just kind of kept going. Yeah. So now I'm getting to kind of live in it and um, 
just be. I wonder what's coming next. I don't know. My mind goes, of course, a mile a minute in 16 different directions. Mm. But if I can just continue to just help, you know, just, I just want to be that mom that you would call, you know, when, when you're in it so that I can say, I can be the, the girl who took me out to coffee and say, it's a, you know, we'll, we'll get through it. You're going to be fine. That definitely comes through in the book for sure. Oh, good. Well, I want to talk to you a little bit about your marriage because you talk about that a lot in the (laughs) book and it's clear that it is not perfect and it's, you know, good that you talk about it because as somebody who went through a, you know, tough divorce Mm -hmm. um, and so many of us do, I can say bravo for sticking it out and for, you know, being able to, um, come together and, um, really find your way through it because that is just amazing. It really is. So congrats to you and Nick for doing that. It's, it's a challenge for sure. Um, Thank you. you. yeah, so I know that, um, I know that it's, first of all, it's not easy to put yourself out there in public, you know, right. and talk about these things, but it so helps. It helps. I, I am amazed. I'm not at all surprised at the, um, I forget the percentage of the divorce rate for, for children, uh, for raising children with special needs. It makes so much sense because a co-parenting in general period with no issues, if your child isn't, you know, just a um, typical, neurotypical children is hard because we are different people no matter what. Yeah. Adding on that a different layer, a layer of it that you have to learn acceptance and education and discipline and consist. It's, it's, I feel like it can be impossible. Um, and I think that there are a million different days and times that one of us wants to make a run for it at any given time. And I, and I honestly, I, I do believe that there, um, there were times, I mean, we've been in therapy for years and mm-hmm. it's amazing. I, a lot of the issues are still the same issues because we are different people. Right. Um, but I have to say my husband works hard. He, he tries really hard and he does go to therapy with us and he, we do do family therapy and he's gone to the, the, the ADHD boot camps and seminars, um, it's just my job to be the reminder. Hey, remember, you know, mm-hmm. you're not supposed, you're not, you're not supposed to say what the heck's wrong with you yeah. when you forget something or, um, so I can be the naggy wife as well. Um, and it's also so interesting because I am not the same woman he married. Right. Um, I mean, I am completely different. He married a, um, a co- very competitive, very, uh, career driven, very, <laughs> I mean, I was this very traditional, you know, um, woman, Catholic woman. We believed all the same things. We had the same values. Then I had children. Then I had children diagnosed with um, so many, so many invisible special needs. I am now non traditional. I am not about the same disciplines that, you know, um, maybe I was disciplined with and my husband was disciplined with. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not the yeller. I'm no longer competitive. I could care less about pretty much anything. Um, mm-hmm. Even with the kids, if you come home with a C, I'm okay with that because you went to school today. So my, I think right. my bar is very low mm-hmm. and, um, and, and I think my husband's bar is very high. And so there's always a big discussion around pretty much anything and everything that the kids come home with. It's, it's like a dance of what's important to me. What do I want to fight for kind of, and what right. don't I want to fight for? And, and I can't change him in so many ways I would love to, <laughs> but yeah. I can't change him. I can only do my work. And the kids can only do, you know, do their work. And it's interesting to see how we're all growing. Um, and even now my kids 
God love them. You know, my 13 year old son, he, um, he's the one diagnosed with ADHD and anxiety and oppositional defiant disorder, which is an ugly one, um, sensory processing. He was our violent, angry guy. And even now you can hear him kind of say, why are you yelling? You know, they're learning, oh, wait, that's not probably, let, you know, dad, stop yelling, just talk to me type of thing. So mm-hmm. everybody's kind of reminding everybody, oh, wait, there's a, there's a different way we could do this. Right, right. But marriage is no joke. Marriage is no joke. No, no, not at all. And some of the things in the book are very funny. How does he feel about you talking about all of this stuff? So I had to give him a warning and say, there is a chapter in here about sex, um, about us and sex, and your mother's going to read it. <laughs> and, and, um, and he is extremely traditional. My goodness. He, guess who had to have the talk with all the kids? Me. You know, he, he believes in denial. They'll learn it when they learn it. Um, so. That's terrible. I know you, the boys, I think you should talk to the boys and I could, you know, but no, um, but surprisingly, I let him read the chapter and it is very, um, specific about how, how sex is as enjoyable as it can be. It is so far down on my list, um, that it, that it, if it, when it happens, it happens as a negotiation. It happens as a, as, um, yeah as almost like a, Hey, don't forget, you know, Nick will say, uh, hello, it's time. Oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I was surprised that he accepted it. I was surprised that he allowed it in the book, to be honest. Um, because he really, he says it all the time. He thinks that I'm the only woman who he's the only one who's not getting sex every day. (laughs) I swear that's what he thinks. And I try oh, to tell God. him all the time, oh, honey, no, if you go on walks with my friends, it's all we talk about. Oh, you know, and it's not because we don't not love again. you. Yes, it's not because we don't love you. It's because we're exhausted. And it's just one more thing. So, yes, I give my husband a lot of credit for that. He, he really let himself um, be put out there. God love him. Yes. <laughs> well, and, and it's, it seems from what you've written in the book, that your kids really truly feel loved from both of you. Yes. And so in your own way, each of you as a parent is, you know, really loving your kids, even though you have different ways of showing it and being there for them, being present with them. And that's amazing. I agree. I think that my um, very relaxed, very, as my husband would say, peace, love, dope, (laughs) 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 gives them, gives them, um, a certain part of what they need. And then Nick's, Nick's traditional style is great for, for, for making them reach farther and, and, and goal wise. And he puts them, he puts them to a higher bar and, and they want to meet him there and they do their best. And so there is, there is a way for us both to be able to show our love, even though it's completely different. The kids get it, you know, mm-hmm. which is, which is lucky for us. Very lucky for us. So something that truly, truly touched me in the book was the way that you spoke about your dad mm-hmm. and what your dad said to you. Can you talk about that a little bit? So my my parents um, were always loving, very supportive. You know, we grew up in one of, you know, in a, in a regular house and nothing but love and happiness and greatness. Um, but they are, my parents are traditional, you know, um, don't fall out of line. Don't, don't be disrespectful. Don't be, you know, everything. Um, so when I was going through a lot of was what I was going through. I would call my parents and say, you know, mom, um, one of them put a pillow over my head and I wasn't sure if they were like, would they actually go through with it or, you know, type of thing. And I, now looking back, I can't imagine what my parents were thinking when I would say these things to them, but it got to the point where then they could start to help me. My mom was great with coming over and saying, all right, what can I do? Give me the insurance 
bills. I'll yes. call and fix those, which was huge. And then my father, nobody loves that. <laughs> and it just, and it was piling up. Let me tell you. Yeah. I'll get to that. When I get to that, it was not happening. Um, and so then my father would do, would do it differently. I think at some point as I got older and he started to realize, I guess, how things were going. And he saw me once. I, I think he saw me once after I had to drop a kid off of school who refused to go. And so I was a mess and I was crying and, um, just so after that, down, right. Yeah. Just so, just so beaten by life. Yes. It's almost as if like, I'm just like a zombie accepting this. And I just, you know, like you're not even there. I feel like, Oh my God. I remember those days so well. My insides, I just felt like I was just walking. No, you know, no, yes, numb. Oh, um, so my dad started at some point to say, You're my hero, you're my hero. And I would think, Thanks, dad, thanks, dad. And then every conversation we would have, he would, I don't even know if he did it on purpose, to be honest, but he would, he'd make it a point to say something, God, Julie, I don't know how you're doing it. I don't know how you're doing it with, with all those kids in your bed. You know, mm -hmm. I don't know how you're doing it. How do you know all the medications are 1600 pills here? Yeah. You know, as I was like, um, he was saying things to me that I, that I wasn't hearing from, from my friends or from anybody, because why would you think that I would need to hear that? I'm, you know, like right. those little teeny bits would get me through a week. Or you're a great mom. You're doing yes. such a great job. Yes. Wow, Julie, you're such a good mom. And I can see it because the kids are so good. Oh, thank you. That's, you know, that's all I've been working for. Thank right. you. That's, that's, that's every sweat and tear. Thank just, you. Just noticing that they were improving or that one little thing had happened or just one little thing, you know, oh, so-and-so got to school today, you know, just that one little thing. Oh, I have a friend who would say, who would say, do you know that Chris hugged me? He saw me and he ran right up and hugged me, my mm -hmm. youngest with autism who, you know, and she would make it a point to make that phone call to me because that was big. Mm -hmm. And what may have been nothing to anybody else was huge for me. And then I could have a smile on my face for the rest of the day. Yeah. So people, I think, don't realize how much just a, a kind word or a little bit of acknowledgement means to us. Right. Yeah. Because the other side would be, if you do hear something negative, that can, that can, that can hurt me for a week, just as much as something kind can, can help me. So right. those kind words mean more, I think, than anything. And so without my dad realizing it even, he has been secretly getting me through. <laughs> so sweet. Yeah. They're good people. Hey, so one more thing, because of course I'm running out of time. Of course. I started to get a little worried about your daughter getting lost uh -huh. in all of this, you know? And I know that you, um, you wrote about, you know, trying to make sure you had time with her mm -hmm. in and amongst all of the craziness going on with your boys. So talk to me about how you um, kind of protect her. Uh, talk to me about that, that sibling stuff. So if you, um, if you ever tell her this, I will deny it until <laughs> forever, but I can honestly say she is my third and I have no recollection of her babyhood and her toddlerhood. And the reason is I was in survival mode yeah. with the two older ones at the time. And that is devastating. Um, and it just goes to that testament of these siblings, these beautiful neurotypical children who can easily be pushed aside, not on purpose, but by accident. So it really just goes to show. Um, so my daughter, Lucy, is amazing and wonderful. And because of that, because she can be so easy and so flexible and so go with the flow, it can be so easy to just be thankful for her and move on. Um, right. And God love her. She, she, she knew who she had to be. And how often are we put into that label of 
oh, she, she doesn't need my help. She's, she's the easy one. She doesn't cause any drama. Um, and then it became, let me take a look at her. Let me really look at her because do I even know her? You know, um, and it became kind of a goal of mine to not lose her in this mix. Because guess what? She was just like I was in the sense that we were walking on eggshells. We knew the moods that the boys would be in and we knew what we had to do to get through them, which isn't fair. It's not fair. Oh, no, not fair. And, um, and how often would I have to say, not right now, Lucy, not right now. I have to, you know, stop this kid from hurting himself or something, you know? Um, so we did a lot of work together, Lucy and I, and, and we were very, I made it a point to be very open and honest about how it can really stink to be a sibling of these boys. And we had done, we've done, you know, therapy and all of that. And I will say, I try so hard to make it a point to connect with her more often now, especially than with the boys. Um, because that was my fear. My fear was, are you going to be older and say, my mom, I couldn't really, you know, my mom was too busy with the others. So I just kind of did my own thing. Mm. And it was so important. I wanted her to feel my love, but I'm not going to, listen, I'm not going to lie in those survival times. I don't think she did. I don't think I had it in me to at the time realize, A, realize and B, have the oomph maybe to even give it, um, which I've had to allow myself a lot of grace and forgiveness for that. Um, but luckily, luckily we've, you know, we've gotten to a point now where she's now 11 and we can have great conversations and we can enjoy each other in a way that girls can type of thing. Julie, scary times are ahead of you though. (laughs) Oh, I know. And I'm, I'm expecting it and, and sad because she's such a sweetheart right now. She's like my, she's my go-to, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, But yes, sibling, I, I think so often the easy ones have it, the easy kids have it the worst. Sure. You know, how does she get along with her brothers? What's that? Um, so when, when everyone was younger, nobody got along with anybody and everybody was kind of violent and aggressive. And there was a lot of ugly. Um, but now as they're getting older and everyone is managing their challenges, I mean, most of the, you know, I have my 15 year old and my 13 year old, they've now really learned with all the resources they've, you know, they've learned a lot of how to manage it. That doesn't mean they do it all the time, but they know the skills. So now you can see some real relationships forming between the siblings. Um, and it's good. It's good. And we can, I mean, they're still siblings, so they still bug the crap out of each other, but I can see now a positive relationship happening. Whereas before that was not, there was no positive. There was just separation, separate. Everybody was separate. There was no unity. And now, now I can say that that is not the case. And I can start to see their personalities and who's, who's more like this one and who's more like that one. Um, So it's working out now, but it definitely took time. Mm. You know, you could, I was scared for a while. I was scared um, because the violence was a lot towards me, but it could be towards the siblings. So, you know, um, that wasn't fair to anybody. So we had a lot of work to do to make sure that everybody felt safe. Yeah. Speaking of violence, there's a, your book kind of ends with a chapter that's a little edgy. Which one? uh, With the the chapter where you're talking about your son having a knife. Yes. Yes. You know, it's something that those of us who are in this world, um, we face Mm -hmm. a lot. And um, those of us who are not in this world might kind of think, wow, why did she put that chapter in there? Why did she put this scene in there? What was she thinking? Mm -hmm. So there's audience, there's this chapter in there where Julie talks about her son um, almost, you know, kind of having, so he's got this knife and he's there in the kitchen and he's aggressively, you know, angry 
has a knife in his hand. He's not really coming at her with it, but not yet. But in your mind, you're wondering if that's next, right? Yes. Yes. I had an actual moment where I knew in my mind and everybody's different, but I knew my child. And, um, I knew that if I acted as if this was, you know, this was boring, it's boring, put the knife down. That's not even funny. Who cares? Right. That if I didn't give him the attention, my hope was that he would move on. Um, but as I did that parenting style and that, that technique, I turned around to walk out of the room and I, there was the real thought of, I might get stabbed right now. And I know that sounds dramatic, um, but it was a real thought because as much as I think I know um, my son, I also know that his impulse control is really bad. Um, but I, and I thought, okay, I'm gonna, I might get stabbed in the back here. This might happen um, or it's really gonna work out. But the thought of, to have that thought about your, your own child is ugly and it's scary. And I don't, I, I can't imagine that people who don't have a child um, with some of these issues could really understand if I didn't put it in the book, if I wasn't showing the really ugly. I mean, there were, there's a lot of physicality that comes with in, in, in our house with ADHD and anger. Um, and I don't think people understand that, that there are probably neighbors and friends of yours who are probably going through that and you don't even know. Yeah. Um, so and yes, I got ugly quick, didn't I? Yeah. <laughs> and I mean, you just, you know, I guess that's the thing that I really appreciated was that you just put it all out there. And I mean, I, I felt the same when I wrote my book. Mm-hmm. I, if I was going to write a book, it was going to be everything. It was going to be raw and it was going to be everything, the good, the bad, the ugly. And so I, I really appreciated that you, you went for it, you know, and I thought so many things like good for you, Julie, but what if one of your kids mm-hmm. doesn't know how to de-escalate him right. when he right. picks up a knife, you know, yes. what if your husband doesn't take the right tactic with him, right. Right. You know? Like as your kids get older and bigger and stronger, and mm-hmm. are going to change in this household and there are going to be choices to be made. And, you know, this family has a lot ahead of them. And, yeah. but this is what our special needs families go through all the time. And this is what your book is all about. Dear loved ones, please know what's going on behind our closed doors. And this is how you help us. Right. Right. That's right. the message. That's the, that's the love letter to everybody. Yes. So Julie, thank you so much for writing this book. I want you to please leave our audience with a couple of tips. What would you really, really like to make sure in, you know, kind of boiling this down to a couple of key points that you would like to leave everybody with? Okay. So if I was talking to a friend or, um, or a grandparent whose, whose loved one is just getting di- get, just getting a child diagnosed or realizes that there's some stuff going on and is in it feeling isolated. My, my tip to them would be to help in a sense of, do they have, you know, do they have siblings? Um, Do they have neurotypical siblings? For me, take the neurotypical child out with you when you go to Chuck E. Cheese, or if you take them to the movies, wherever you're going, take them because right now they're stuck in this house because I can't leave. They're stuck in this house. That's not fun. Okay. Um, Take them to your house to bake cookies. It doesn't matter. It could be 15 minutes. It could be two hours. It's the nice. idea that, that, that this sibling, this neurotypical child is getting out because that that's on our minds. That's on our minds. Okay. And so then that's one thing. Yes. Um, and then for, for the, for the mom who doesn't have any other children at this time and is 
and is in it with um, their, their neurodiverse child, family and friends, what I would say to you there is you need to understand that they feel like nobody gets them. We are alone. Um, so don't get upset with us if we can't come to something um, socially. If we're not, if you don't see us out, don't give us trouble about it. Yeah. We're, you know, um, or if, if we're having a family party, if we're having a party with the kids and I have to leave early because it seems that I'm going to have one of mine is about to have a meltdown. Don't get annoyed. Don't get, um, try your best to just realize that we're doing the best we can. Um, and just give us that grace and support and maybe say, thanks for coming. I'm so glad I got to see you. Even if it was for 10 minutes mm. type of thing. No um, judgment. Right. No judgment. This is a no judgment zone. Right. Right. Because trust me, you're going to want to judge us when you see the, our kids' behaviors. You're going to think you're going to want to turn automatically to judgment. So just try your best to remember we have no clue what's going on behind those closed doors. We have no clue. Go in grace. Yes. And remember the dress with the holes. Yes. They're not just holes in a dress. They mean so much more. Absolutely. All right. This was so awesome. Julie, I loved meeting you. I really loved your book. Thank you so much for writing it. I have so much gratitude for you. I really, really appreciate what you've done. I'm going to share this book with everybody. Thank you. Thank you. Thank, thank, thank you so thank you. much. It was, it was so, so great to meet you. Thanks for joining our circle of care. Um, I'll yes, absolutely. I'm excited. Wednesdays, Wednesdays were live from six to seven East coast time. And um, so if you're able to join then that's great. But otherwise, we'll just see you around. Okay, absolutely. Thank All you, right. Annette. Have a great day. Bye. Bye. Hey, everybody. Thanks for tuning in. I just wanted to take a second to say how much I appreciate you taking the time to listen to these podcasts. I'm having a blast doing them. And I hope that you're finding the content to be what you were really hoping. If you are, please take a second to leave a rating and a review. It's so helpful in getting this content out to people who really need to hear it. Thank you so much.